Okay, so the first reading is from Proverbs 6, uh, verses 1 to 19, which is on page 452. Okay, so verse 1. My son, if you have put up security for your brother, if you have struck hands in pledge for another, if you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbour's hands. Go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbour. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It is no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little, slumber, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. A scoundrel and villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up dissension, therefore disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. And second reading is 2 Thessalonians 3. Uh, verse 6 to 15. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Thanks, guys. We're in the book of Proverbs, and tonight we're looking at the topic of work, wise work. Here's some um, extraordinary stats. It blew me away. According to the Australian Institute, Australians now work longer hours than any other country in the developed world. So again, according to the Australian Institute, Australians now work longer hours than any other country in the developed world. Uh, the, 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 the stats are higher than the, 
the US, higher than Japan, higher than the in England. There's been a massive increase in our workload since 1997. And I'm guessing that is especially true for some of us here tonight. Some of you will work incredibly long hours in highly stressful jobs which go far beyond the nine to five. And for some of you, it is all work, work, work. I know people who eat breakfast at work, eat dinner at work, skip their lunch because of the pressures of work. I know some fathers in our church who don't see their kids from Monday to Friday because they leave before the kids get up and are home after the kids go to bed. As I chat to you, we're working more and more weekends, working on a Saturday, working on a Sunday, trying to keep up with these mortgage repayments or the, the lifestyle that we've chosen. And that's not to mention the, the work-induced stress, the increasing complaints about tiredness, the, the lack of job satisfaction where we're always seeking that career change that might just give us that work-life balance. Now, here's what fascinates me. I still think that many of us find our identity. We find our identity in our work. I challenge you, when you meet someone new here at Church by the Bridge, how long is it before you ask the question, what do you do? And the answer to that question means that you automatically make assumptions or you pigeonhole them or you make judgments. And I know that some of us here love our work, we thrive on our work, and I know some of us here are really struggling because we long to find a job, but I think for most of us, there's this constant tension. We don't like the pressures of work and the demands it makes of us, and yet part of us still finds our identity in our work. When I talk about work, When the Bible talks about work, it doesn't just talk about paid work. That's a very urban, industrialized way of reading the Bible. Work in the Bible includes the the work of just keeping a home. The work of building a house and repairing a house and maintaining a house. The, The work of the gardening and the cooking and the cleaning, that is all work. And it's hard work. It includes the work that you put in to maintain family relationships. And that can be hard work. And it does include kingdom work. Doing the Lord's work. Serving your Savior. And that is tiring. And that is hard work. And so when you put all those together, your, your paid work and your housework and your relational work and your kingdom work, we sit here and we are, we're just exhausted, aren't we? So what's this proverbial wisdom from the book of Proverbs on, on work? I'll make a couple of very brief remarks. It talks about the necessity of work. The Bible says that work is just the way of life. You were born to work. That's what it means to be human. Creation demanded that you work and the the fall dictated that you work. 
And so when Adam was placed in the garden, he was commanded to work that garden. And after the fall, when sin entered the world, God said, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food. You, you are just made to work. But living in a fallen world means that that work will sometimes be tough. It will be hard work. Let me put it as simply as I can. Uh, if you want to eat, we've got to work. And sometimes that work will be hard. Here's how Proverbs puts it. Proverbs 12:11. He who works his land will have abundant food. But he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. It's really very simple. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you're the kind of person who lives their life chasing fantasies, always, always dreaming about your perfect job or this, this new venture or this new goal you're going to kick, but you don't actually knuckle down and put in the effort and get the job and earn some money to buy the food, the Bible would call you a fool. Let me clarify, I'm not talking about people who are not able to work because of health issues or mental health issues, but if you're able to work, the Bible says we should work. Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, Lazy hands make a man poor. Uh, Diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a a disgraceful son. All it's saying is, yes, God can provide food, God can provide clothes, God can provide shelter, and we do pray, give us today our daily bread. But the, the normal way and the natural way that God answers that prayer is through our work. That's just the expectation. And now, of course, we've moved from the, from the farm to the city, haven't we? And so most of us don't do that hard work of tilling the land and harvesting the crop, and we don't labor and toil to build our own homes. We work in the city, or we work in the hospital, in the schools, or at home. But we earn a wage to buy some produce, or to buy a house. But whether it's land work, or office work, or housework, God expects us to work. And I do know some of us need to to hear that lesson. And then learn from the farmers, up at dawn, working till dust, toiling the land. The expectation of work. Of course, there's a danger here, isn't there? Here's the danger, the dangers of overwork. As Proverbs puts it, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Read it again. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. He's saying laboring, working to the point of collapse just to earn more money is a crazy thing. If you're devoting every waking hour so you can just get rich, if you're putting in the 80-hour working week just to make some mortgage repayment, that's crazy. You've made some foolish decisions somewhere. If you're leaving the house at 6.30 a.m. but getting back at 10 p.m. and you never see your wife and never see your kids and you never hang out with your friends and never make church because it's all work, 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 there's something not quite right. And if your work is impacting your health, then something is definitely wrong. Let me tell you about Jonathan. Jonathan worked for Essex in a city. He got rich. He got very rich. He had a couple of health scares, and the doctors warned him that 
He just kept working. It was a Thursday in July 2003 where he was walking between the ferry at Circular Quay and Macquarie Street where he had the heart attack and he died, aged 37. He got rich. He left the house in Balmoral. But it was just crazy. The hours he was working and he just didn't listen to the warnings. If your goal in life is to get rich and you just work, 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 the Bible would call you a fool. Again, many of us need to hear that. We've got a church full of people who are working incredibly long hours. And to be honest, I just get a glimpse of some of the pressures that you guys are under. But I want to lovingly warn you, please don't wear yourself out just to get rich. If it means that you, you can't upsize from the unit to the house, but, but you can have a, a good life, good quality of life, if it means that you can't go on the overseas holidays, but you can spend time with friends and you can do church work, just be wise. Please listen to Lady Wisdom. Do not wear yourself out just to get rich. So the necessity of work, but the dangers of overwork, please hear both of those things as I talk about what the Proverbs focuses on, which is a character called the sluggard. The sluggard. When I say that word, what, what kind of person are you thinking about? How would you define a sluggard? Lazy? The kind of person who just moves at the, the pace of a slug? Just going through life, chillax, take life easy. You know, if you don't need to do it, just put it off to tomorrow and... And what's God going to say to the sluggard in the book of Proverbs? Here it is. Proverbs 24. I went past the field of the sluggard. I went past the vineyard of the man who lacked judgment. Because the sluggard lacks judgment. That's the parallelism. Our thorns had come up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds and the stone walls and the ruins. So his property and his fields are just run down because he's doing nothing. And I applied my heart to what I observed. And I didn't just look at it, but I thought, what's this teaching me? I learned a lesson. And I said, a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. It's just saying, if you choose not to work hard, if you neglect the work that God has asked you to do, if you're lazy, there are consequences. So how are we going to learn? Who are we going to learn from? And God says, learn from the ant. Learn from that little creature that you just stamp on. Look at him and learn from him. Consider its ways and be wise, you sluggard. Uh, the ant has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. The ant has no boss at work. He has no timesheets to keep. He has no calendars in his, in his iPhone. Yet he stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It's just saying the ant is just a picture of productivity. Have you ever met an ant who's just, you know, chillaxing? The ant is scurrying. He's scurrying to build that anthill. He's going to, to suck up that sweet, sugary thing you've left in your kitchen. He's just working and working and working. 
And God is saying to us, be more like the ant and less like the sluggard. Now, as I prepared this sermon, this is where I'm tearing my hair at. Because I'm thinking, what am I going to preach on? Because we're busy, busy, busy. I can't tell church by the bridge to work harder, because that would cripple them. And then it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I'm reading the scriptures through my 21st century office paid work mindset. Because your work is more than just your paid work. Your work is your housework and your relational work and your kingdom work. So listen very carefully here. It is more than possible to be a workaholic in your paid work and yet be a sluggard in some other area of work. It's possible to work incredibly hard in your paid work yet totally neglect some other work responsibility, your homework, your relational work, your community work, your kingdom work. I found this, ho- this uh, quote very helpful. In the past, I would have considered anything but slothfulness to be one of my problems. I was very busy. But a sloth doesn't necessarily mean we do nothing. A sloth is when we fail to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. It's when there's an important task that I'm not looking forward to doing and suddenly I find a million other things I would rather do. A workaholic can be a sloth. You may work furiously hard, but be lazy in avoiding doing something that truly needs to be done. Your schedule can be packed full of meetings. You might run around from one appointment to the next, yet actually be a sluggard because you're neglecting the important work that needs to be done and you have the wrong priorities. I hope that makes sense. A sluggard is not necessarily a a 40-year-old bachelor living with his parents playing Xbox for four hours a day. A sluggard is somebody who makes wrong choices about where they pour their energy into. They do what they want to do and not what they ought to be doing. So let's look at the sluggard. The sluggard makes excuses. Proverbs 26, verse 13. The sluggard says there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion roaming the streets. You're supposed to laugh at this point. Because this person is making these incredulous uh, uh, claims. These ridiculous excuses why he can't do what he should be doing. It's kind of the the dog ate my homework kind of excuse. I'm really sorry. I cannot take that additional contract at work. Because, you know, I have to wash my hair next Tuesday. And that's going to be so, so demanding on my time. I, I, I'm really sorry. I know I've got time to go shopping and to go sailing, but I, I can't possibly come and give an hour of my time to the winter appeal at work at church because, you know, I'm just too busy. Ask me tomorrow. Ask somebody else. I think we're good at making excuses. The Bible calls us to work diligently in our workplace and not make excuses. To work hard in our home, to work hard in our church and not always make excuses. The sluggard loves to rest. I love this verse. Proverbs twenty six fourteen. As a door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard turns on his bed. 
you've got this picture of this man who is like a, a door on his bed, just turning from left side to right side to left side to right side. That's what he loves to do. A little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. Just five more minutes sleep, one more snooze. Again, let me just say that, that, that sleep is important and rest is important and overwork is very bad for you. But sleep can be addictive. Did you know that? Sleep can be addictive. It's like a drug where you think you need it, but you can't get enough of it. And a sluggard loves to rest. Because a sluggard is really just very lazy. 26 verse 15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. You've got this picture of this man who's sitting there at dinner time with his bowl of food on the table and he's put his hand into his bowl and he just goes, oh, the effort of raising this hand to, from a bowl to my mouth, oh, it's too much, I'm too tired, I can't be bothered. Or he's the man who doesn't roast his game. Oh, the effort of putting my meat on the barbecue and, and turning it on and getting the tongs and turning the meat from, oh, I just can't be bothered, it's too much work. And it's comical. And yet I think of the times when I come home and think, oh, I can't be bothered to cook tonight. Oh, just get that meal and stick it in the microwave. Oh, and just pressing those buttons on the microwave. And <laughs> oh, I can't be bothered to get a bowl out. Oh, I'll just eat out the dish because it says on the washing up. <laughs> oh, I think of the times where I just think, oh, I can't be bothered to open the fridge and get some bread out and make a sandwich and make my lunch. And so I'll just spend a hundred bucks on takeaway lunches each week. Because there's a slug in each one of us, isn't there? There is a slug in each one of us. We do it all the time. Too lazy to get up from your desk to ask someone face-to-face in the office place. And so you Skype them. Or you shoot an email. Too lazy to get off the couch and change channel. Because, oh, where's that remote control? <laughs> Again, remember, you can be very, very busy doing lots of stuff. You can be busy in your workplace, but you can still be lazy because you're not doing what you're paid to do. You're not paid to surf the net. You're not paid to look on Facebook. You're not paid to drink coffee. You're doing what you want to do and not working hard at home, not working hard in the community, not working hard at church. So how do you spot the sluggard? How do you spot a lazy person? Here's how. Proverbs 20, verse 4. A slugger doesn't plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but gets nothing. What are the bizarre two words in that verse? Look at it again. What two words do you find very strange in that verse? A sluggard doesn't plow in season, so at harvest time he looks 
forgets nothing. The strange words are the two words he looks. If he hasn't plowed, why is he bothering looking? If he hasn't done the work, if he's been lazy, why is he bothering to look to see whether he's got a harvest? If he was out socializing and sipping coffee and going for a run or pampering himself whilst everyone else was planting their crops and preparing their soil, if he was too lazy to put in the hard work, why does he presume? Why is he surprised when there's no food? That's the sign of a lazy person. They're surprised when they don't get what they should have worked for. It's like the person who doesn't work hard at their job and they're never on time and they always leave early and they're surprised when they're not promoted. Or, it's like the person who is lazy with God. You can't be bothered to do the hard work of picking up your Bible and studying God's Word. It's all too hard, such an effort. Or we can't be bothered to come to church. It's two hours on a Sunday and you can't be bothered to spend time with God's people. And then we're surprised when we don't grow in our relationship with God. It's like the people who are, who are lazy in their marriages. You can be incredibly busy at work working incredibly long hours, earning so much money at work and paying for the most amazing holidays, but you can still be lazy in your marriages. Too busy to communicate well. Too tired to make time for each other. Too lazy to plan the date night. Too lazy to find the babysitter. Too lazy to express your love. And I have to say, men, I keep meeting lazy husbands who are working incredibly hard in the city but not loving their, their wives well. And I'm learning very quickly, you can be very lazy as a parent. think you can outsource it all. It might mean working less hours in the office or sacrificing some of your own personal leisure time. But if you want to harvest, when a harvest in your workplace, a harvest in your family life, a harvest in your home, a harvest in your church life, put in the hard work. Sluggers make excuses, sluggers love to rest, sluggers are lazy. What are the consequences? 21, 25, the sluggers cravings will be the death of him. His hands refuse to work. 1519, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. That's the consequence. All those little choices, all those little decisions to nap and to rest and to sleep and to excuse yourself, and they gradually become roadblocks and derailers, and they, they, they block your path. And you wake up one day and you go, how did that happen? So let me ask you again. I'm not asking you how hard you work or how many hours you work in your office job, I'm asking you to humbly, humbly search yourself and say, is there a, a slugger within me? In my paid job? In the work I do in my house, in my home? In the work I do in my family? In the work I do for the kingdom and for the church? 
Now here's the good news. You see, you read the book of Proverbs and it can leave you feeling guilty and burdened and crushed and yes, lazy. And what we really need is we need the gospel. We need the good news of Christ. Because Jesus Christ does change your attitude towards your work. And Jesus Christ changes everything on this topic of work. Here's how. Because if you're in Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, your identity is not in your paid work. Your identity is not in your paid work. Your identity is in Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're the most successful lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're unemployed. Your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that changes everything. Because getting rich and earning more money or achieving that promotion is not your priority anymore. It is knowing Jesus and serving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And being a godly husband or being a godly wife is far more important than being a better lawyer. And loving your neighbor and caring for those in need and doing kingdom work, preaching the gospel, reaching those who are lost, that is far more important than just earning a salary. Here's how 1 Corinthians 15 puts it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear friends, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I find that verse totally liberating. Working for the Lord, a lot of work which is unseen and unrewarded, it's not in vain. It has a purpose of honoring and glorifying my Savior. We do work hard. Some of us work too hard. Some of us need to hear the the warnings of overwork here tonight. Slow down. Do less. But some of us are sluggards. In your paid work, in your homework, in your relational work, and in your kingdom work. So hear this lesson from Proverbs. Let me pray.